Hello, and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series produced by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. The first series of Jam Presents takes us back to July 2001, when Fox ran a one-off TV series called Murder in Small Town X, an American reality TV show that we believe went somewhat unnoticed. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of Murder in Small Town X as Jason and I follow the journeys of 10 contestants as they attempt to solve the brutal murder of the Flint family and catch the killer. Oh, and at the same time, try to win 250 grand. In the quiet town of Sunrise, Maine, a killer is on the loose. A reward has been offered to 10 ordinary people. been sent to Sunrise to play the killer's twisted game. Welcome to Sunrise. Now, they must enter the mind of a killer and solve the mystery before they are eliminated one by one. Each episode of Murder in Small Town X is available on YouTube, so if you haven't already, go and watch episode 3 now. In this episode, we follow Jimmy Tinker, we stake out the fire road for what seems like an eternity, and we speak to the mayor about a tin of fingers. Cool. Awesome. Right, let's have a look then. Episode 3. Episode th- what an episode. This has really kicked off this episode. I was happy about that. It has. The first sort of 15 minutes, I didn't really know where it was going, and then it started to kick off. And I don't know what exact moment, you know, was the, was the turning point. But it soon started, and actually, another banger as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> the more this show goes on, the better it's getting. Yeah, and the more you question, why doesn't it exist anymore? Exactly. I'm thinking this is... I'm gripped, like, proper gripped of it. Also, I mean, I've said this numerous times that we know why. It so, feels so Twin Peaks with the fact that... I know, obviously, they're, they're leading the investigators down certain avenues like with Thibodeau and, and stuff like that. But it seems like each episode is like, oh, it's definitely this person. Or they, they home in on this person. Do you know what I mean? But then you find out, hang on, this person's dodgy. They're, they're all dodgy. Every, every suspect is going to be dodgy. But it's which one is the killer. And that's the difference, I think. Because, I mean, to start this episode, it's, it starts with X-Ray banging on the door. Um, <laughs> and coming in saying that he's explained that he's seen Jimmy coming down what they call the fire road, don't they? Fire road, yeah. Because it used to go to the old old fire station or something like that. And he explained he saw the uh, Abby's car with one headlight, like a cyclops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did. So before we get to X-Ray, it opens with... Due to the graphic nature of this program, viewer discretion is advised. On every one of these episodes, and there's not one moment yet that I've seen and I've thought, oh God, that's a bit disturbing. Is it because of the time? Is it because this is 20 years ago nearly? And they've maybe, gone... Maybe, And they got... I mean, did you see the the note at the end, after the credits? It says the fingers were artificial fingers. It makes, it makes clear <laughs> that. Because there's a part in the episode... I know we're jumping again. I know I hate doing this. That's fine. It's episode funny. where, where uh, they, go and meet, they go to meet the mayor because the fingers yeah. have... Uh, residue of some of taxidermy on and obviously the taxidermist in this in the town is uh is the mayor i mean there's a funny bit that where he's, he mentions about a monkey and she's like oh where does that come from 
And he goes, oh, did you see the line? That comes from Africa as well. And this, of course, is not indigenous to Maine, the monkey. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was, guessing I was that. thinking that. Where did, where's that from? Uh, this came from Africa along with the lion. Did you see the lion? Yeah, yes. beautiful. I think a little bit of that was him just trying to shut the conversation down because he didn't want to name all these all these animals that he probably hasn't learned. Yeah, he's just walked and he's gone, so that's don't a ask, lion. Don't ask me, where, yeah, uh, that's probably from Sweden. He's, he's just guessing. He doesn't know animals. That's from that's from Africa. Yeah, that, that monkey, that's from Africa as well, yeah. It just, the way it felt to me was the fact that he, he's just, he's just going to make countries up soon. I don't know whether or not we go into that now or come back to it, but his handling of that, where he's holding the fingers, and they just let him have one of like the key... That's some dead guy from the case's fingers. Yeah. And you've gone to the town mayor, who's a suspect, and gone, what do you think of these, mate? Well, this is it. He goes, um, he, he says to Brian, who's a medical student, well, you're a doctor. <laughs> what, are, these, are these real fingers? And Brian's like, yeah, they're real fingers. And then after the show, the fingers are artificial. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things I did pick up after the show, uh, and we were, I mean, massive segue in here, is the fact that it's, it mentions that Gary, the lead investigator, does not know who the killer is. And it never occurred to me that. Yes, I've heard that earlier in the series. It came, it, I'm sure at some point they said we need to point out or it should be made clear that Gary doesn't know. So he yeah. can't be seen to be... Because when they hand the envelopes out and all that sort of thing, it might be that one's got a little black X in the court. And you don't know if that's not the case. It may be. Or the fact he might lead, he might try and lead them certain ways or... It just keeps it really impartial, I think. And it keeps it more exciting because he doesn't know. He's True. in it with them, isn't it? I'm sure he's still got a... He must still have a script or... You know, because otherwise he, he wouldn't know what... The... But that could have been... that. You never know. I don't know how it's produced, but you, that could have been done on like a day-by-day basis or yep. three-day three day by three day basis where the production crew is like right Gary this is where you need to point them if they're not getting it themselves Eight investigators remain at the start of this episode. Thirteen townspeople still considered suspects. Opens with previously on Small Town X, where we're reminded that Andy's been sent home and Brian is bringing back a tin of sardines with fingers in. As you mentioned, X-Ray the cabbie knocking on the door with a Cyclops car. And he suggests that Jimmy Tinker is driving. After the credits roll, you've got Alan just sat there watching footage of the murder. Of the original murder, yeah. And he states at that point he's suspicious of Jimmy Tinker because he's a film student. I didn't realise Jimmy was a film film student, but the fact he touches upon that and the killer is very much obsessed with sending out videos and stuff. Lifeguard gets chosen by Andy in his last will and testament, who chose Alan to be the next lifeguard. I was so happy with that. I was really happy because you know that Alan's going to do a good job. I've, I've, I've said here in my notes that uh, Andy chooses Alan. That's a great choice. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, there are a lot of clips as well. Before they get onto the evidence, there's loads of clips. And they, they, they're setting up the episode effectively, aren't they? Where all the investigators, everybody's talking about Kristen and saying that she's hung up on the boy-girl thing and that her decisions to send Brian to the location was a bit of a shitty move. And she said, but I'm playing differently to those guys. Does that therefore mean that she's playing the tactical game of she's getting rid of the strongest link because if she gets further into the process, she's fighting against weaker people. And I think that might be the case. I think it's Katie. She mentions that 
Kristen's got this whole boy versus girl thing. People are noticing that massively now. So X-Ray's visit, the visit from X-Ray at the start led to two tracks associated with Jimmy Tinker. So in track one, we had Stacy, Jeff and Lindsay working on this. They had to go and question Jimmy about his alibi, plant a bug on him, which is one of the greatest scenes ever, <laughs> stake him out and see if he leads them to Abby's car. And then track two was Fire Road. Angel and Katie went there. They had to stake out Fire Road to see if they could find or see the stolen car and try and get a photograph of the stolen car. And then track three comes a bit later in a similar scene, but track three is because of the killer clue, which was the sardine tin with two fingers in which belonged to Nate Flint. Packed in oil and mustard, treated with chemicals using taxidermy, which leads to Kristen and Brian having to ask Mayor Bowden about the fingers because he is the town taxidermist. I don't know about you, but I frequently see my taxidermist Mayor walking down the road. So if we take each track in turn, track one, as I say, Stacey, Jeff and Lindsay, they go to meet Jimmy at the hardware store and need to put a bug on his jacket and then sit in the white van to listen in. I thought Jimmy was great. I think he's, he's a good character. He's a very good character, very good actor. And also his temperament is amazing that he can just yeah. flip, just goes from cool calm to I want to punch someone in the face which we'll get onto in a bit because he does actually shove that woman against the car I think it's the first time they've done a task where both tasks are, help, uh, are happening at the same time so the funeral and the investigation into Thibodeau's residence was at the same time as yeah, well but it, but it was very but it was very rushed wasn't it funeral yeah. wasn't going to be long I know that they had the stakeout after um, but this is this is two very endurance Both based. linked to Jimmy as well because they think Jimmy's yeah. the one with the car. But then also, like, looking out, outside of that, Jimmy especially, as an actor, that's a long day. <laughs> that's a good it? point. I hadn't thought about that. But. Because he gets bugged. He knows he's getting bugged. He's getting bugged. And he's got to put up that show for a long time. I mean, it seems like... He's got to play Jimmy for the amount of time that they're on the stakeout, basically. So they when they when they talk to Jimmy they have to get a bug planted on his jacket, which I wouldn't have put it under the most obvious collar. It's barely under the collar as well. You say that, but when was the last time you looked under the collar like that on a coat or jacket like I that? I always check for I always check for bugs under my collars. <laughs> what I took down on this was it was hilarious. Stacy knocking things over in the shop and she's like, Oh, I'm such a klutz, I've knocked these paintings over just so <laughs> Jeff could go over and put the bug on his coat. Even Jeff then was looking around. Oh bless him. I did feel like I've, I've got notes to say Jeff was actually he's a really smooth talker really? talking to Jimmy and the way he he's was, sneaking yeah. around and stuff uh, Jeff yeah. shone in this episode I think he really did he did shine um Jimmy opened up quite a little bit before they planted the bug. Jimmy, I think we see a flashback, don't we? We see a well. Oh, this, this is, is a, what I wanted to get to. Major flashback. So Jimmy would drive the car but doesn't know where it is at the moment. So he's said that he used to borrow it. Yeah. He got all yeah, emotional. He, he, jumps, he jumps on with the saying it's a, it's, a, it's a white dodge. That's right. He, and they're like, just like, yeah, of course you'd know. He gets all emotional talking about how he'd normally pick her up at weekends and take her to the pier. Um, and then we see the most incredible cutscene in that her dad just appears. Like, he's... It's almost like he's fixed because he's under the car. Doesn't Jimmy have a tire iron later on? Like they've already said that Jimmy yeah. had a tire iron or something. So I imagine he's changing the wheel of the car or something like that. But it is so good in that Jimmy's walking up the drive, Abby's walking down, and Dad's just like, yo! <laughs> he literally comes out from the bonnet. <laughs> it's just it's like, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Jimmy. But the way they, I mean, I don't remember exactly what they say in that sort of flashback cutscene, um, but it feels like uh, Jimmy and Nate 
have had some dodgy dealings, and he's like, "Why are you getting involved with Abby still?" Yeah, doesn't it? it feels You're like using there's, her. There's, there's past, and things like that. There's, yeah, there's, there's more of a past with Jimmy and Nate than is, there is with Jimmy and Abby. I don't know. Maybe you know, there's something there. So yeah, he says I'm not allowed to date Abby because I'm too old. It's because I'm not good enough for. Her. It's what it is. So obviously, when they move out the shop, they get in the most obvious white stakeout van <laughs> <laughs> like with lights away. inside. Yeah, lights inside. It's about ten foot away from the front door of the shop. It's obvious. It's an obvious stakeout van. Yeah, Jeff follows on foot, and he's incredible, just moving like a cat around the streets. Um, he yeah. suggests in a little video that the killer might have an accomplice, which that's quite interesting actually. See if maybe more than one person is involved. The killer may be one person, but I do believe the killer has friends. Since it is a small town and everyone does know each other, I do believe uh, other people can be involved. Jimmy and Mary Elizabeth go to the club, and Jeff is full on MI5 at this point. We hear a conversation between Mary and Jimmy, and Mary Elizabeth is all over him. Stacy and Lindsay both talk about how they think it's crazy that Jimmy and Mary Elizabeth could be this close following your best friend and girlfriend's murder. Into scene walks Frank Kovic. He is seen talking to Sam Larrabee, the diner owner, and at this point they mention that she's the woman that discovered the crime scene, and I hadn't pieced that together until right now. So at the very start, where they show the bloke stepping in the puddle of blood... First episode. Yep, there's a blonde woman with him, and that blonde woman is Sam Larrabee. They also mention she was at the funeral with Nate Flint's dad, who might still have some involvement in the business. I'd be really interested to see where this leads, because Sam Larrabee is often shown in scenes. There's another scene later on with her, stood with that old chap with the glasses on. I just really want to see whether or not that person that trod in the blood is the person in their glasses because Gary, lead investigator Gary, says over the top of uh, some footage, Nate Flint's dad, and it comes up with that chap with the glasses. Okay, yeah. Funny little um, conversation they have in the back of the van when when Frank and Sam are uh, are meeting. Oh, it's fantastic. Lindsay and Stacey say about, well, Frank's married with kids. And Lindsay says it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because she, because she thinks she's having an affair. She's convinced. She's absolutely convinced. Didn't they say, well, she may be pregnant? Probably by him. Yeah, but he's got a wife and kid. It doesn't matter. Frank left and followed Sam. Stacy immediately says, I bet he's having an affair with her. Like, where did that come from? And then she went, he's definitely banging her. <laughs> I think he's definitely banging her. And then, in the, the top that off, which made me laugh, is he's like, oh, you want my alibi? Here's my alibi. Yeah. And then doesn't provide an alibi. Let me tell you something. I was home with my wife and my daughter. I put my daughter to bed around around 8.30, got into a little fight with my wife, and I left around 11 o'clock. I went to my boathouse, worked on my boat till about 5 in the morning, came back so I would be, uh, be at home when my little girl woke up. Here's my alibi. I uh, argued with my wife. And then I went to my uh, fishing hut for five hours. No one can confirm. But also, why is he squealing like a pig? Just don't say anything. Evidently... Frank will be a suspect in one of the tracks next week because they'll all come 100%. back to HQ and say, Frank told us all this. Oh, you need to go to his boathouse and see if he was there. Yeah, he was there and he was there with Sam. Jimmy and Mary Elizabeth go to Mary Elizabeth's house. Jeff's like, can, can you see it? They are sucking face. <laughs> They're sucking face. What do you see, Stacey? What do you see? Well, we see it and we hear it. They're sucking face. I don't know, I've put it, it gets a bit, um, gets a bit hot. It does get hot, but Mary Elizabeth gets extremely weird. Make love to me like you made love to Abby. Yeah, I've wrote that down, yeah. What? She's very weird. And yet, Lindsay then says, I like Jimmy. 
Um, I, I think he's, you know, he seems like a good guy and clearly loved Abby. I don't like Mary Elizabeth. Women should know better. What? Hang on a minute. What? So you like one of them but don't like the other one? Which I don't know which one's in the wrong. The stakeout lasts forever. 17 hours when Jeff rings HQ at 10am. But at the same time, Angel and, and Katie are out on the fire road. By far... Of all the challenges, of all the tasks, of all everything they've had to do so far, this is the most boring. There's no shelter. They're in the middle of nowhere. They're literally on the edge of a road. Dark, it's cold, it's wet. Another thing to come up from this is, I think this is the first episode we've had where there's not been the, do we split up? Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. There's, at no point, are they given the op- opportunity? Because as soon as... um. The police officer come, I thought, here he comes, he's going to ask him to split up. But no, it didn't happen. It did not happen. Interestingly, the best, the closest we got to that was Jeff <laughs> sneaking around like a cat outside off, yeah. the van. Brian, this is Angel. We have something going on around here, but I can't make it out. Could be some people approaching. I don't know what it is, brother. Sweepers out in the middle of the forest. Oh, so at 9.30, Angel rings Brian to say someone's approaching, and then you see the lanterns of the sweepers. That is so creepy. It was proper cult creepy. They suggest there's eight or so sweepers out there. And Katie says, I thought there may be sweepers at every clue. But then I didn't pick up on the rest of what she said because the way she said understood. There was going to be a sweeper present wherever an inf- a clue could be picked up. But I think it is understood. How didn't I notice that? But they, the, the, yeah, the sweepers are still weird. They are weird. Very strange. And I can't wait to find out what they actually mean. So they are there a long time, and the vehicle does eventually come. They see someone in Mary Elizabeth's car, don't they? Yes, on the on the stakeout. Yeah, stakeout van sees that. Uh, stakeout van sees that. Sorry, yeah. And Jimmy's and walked then, out with no shirt on, looking around for Mary Elizabeth. So Mary Elizabeth is presumed gone. Yeah, still no sign of Abby's car. Katie and Brian see the car with one headlight. They can't get an ID on the driver. The photograph's extremely difficult to get, and it turns out to be a terrible photo. Did you hear what Angel said to Katie? Or Katie said to Angel? She goes, video or picture? And he goes, just take a picture. I'm like, no, take a video, surely. Because a video a video is many pictures put together, isn't oh, it? Honestly, and by the time they'd sorted that out and got it... It's the two latest flashes you've ever seen in an episode. The car's passed, like... To, to, the, to the point I'm thinking, those photos they, they took, were they actually the photos... <laughs> <laughs> they must be. No, I'm almost certain that they... they you don't think they were? Or, or they use their photos, but they say, oh yeah, from your photo, we zoomed in and we got this evidence. It's like, yeah. bullshit. The next scene is fantastic. The car goes straight into the pier or off the pier. It's upside down and then they claim that's the same car later on. No, hang on a minute. That's a different car. <laughs> Dudley comes and picks up Brian and Katie. Yeah, yeah 712. Yeah, and takes them to Mudflat. They've been a long time. They've been there for ages, yeah. They've been there more than more than 12 hours. This is where Dudley says, oh, we've got to be quick. There's a 23 foot variation in the tides. Yeah, and this is what I was going to say. Didn't pick that up first time. I didn't pick that up the first time either. So we'll get to that. That's fair play because I did not pick that up at all. So until the second one, I, I heard it and thought there there yeah, it was brilliant yeah same yeah. definitely wasn't Jimmy in the car Jimmy couldn't have been the driver could easily yeah. have been Mary Elizabeth who wants to be Abby there's mm-hmm. still an interesting thought around that evidently the driver isn't recovered with the car so presumably they got out or drop and roll before it went into the water the car is recovered by Connor the car's recovered it looks like Connor in, in driving the recovery tow vehicle takes it because she owns the garage doesn't she and Jimmy notices the car 
car in the square and the surveillance team in that white van are still right there in the middle of the square. Like, really obvious. But they get to witness the, the next events. This is a cool crossover here between track one and two. So this is now Jimmy from track one is with the car from track two. So they are actually in the same place yeah. at exactly the same time, which is great. So he reacts. He does react. He reacts bad. And then Mary Elizabeth tries to comfort him. Jimmy yeah. pushes back. They have one of the worst arguments in public that I've ever seen. Yeah, but she she says to him, see me as Abby. Weird. Along with saying, what, you think we can have sex and then I can just see you as Abby? He then shoves her head into the car. That's some good acting, that was. Did you notice who pulled him back? Lambert, yeah. Because he Lambert, had the King With his Fisher, sardine jacket on again. <laughs> yeah, Fisher exactly. Jacket. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, incredible. It's so good. I like I liked, uh, something that Alan said. I think I think he said it to... I don't know now, actually. He said it to one of them. on the, Maybe, I think maybe it was Jeff. Because Jeff's been out so long on this stakeout. He said, when they said, oh, we're coming back. He, and then Alan said, yeah, come on back. We've got spaghetti waiting. <laughs> Wait, I, I thought, I've, I've got that exact quote. It's fantastic. I thought, Alan, like... I love him. I, I, you know what I mean? He's so good. He's such a people person. Yeah, come on home. We got spaghetti waiting on you. See ya. But that's, that's exactly what Jeff wants to hear. That's exactly what Jeff, Jeff wants to hear. We've got spaghetti on the table, mate. Come on, we're back. Brilliant. Yeah, so we're going to town hall meeting now. Yeah, just before... Oh, yeah, so like with the, the killer clue, the sardine tin, two fingers that belong to Nate Flint, they went and saw the mayor. They needed to ask the mayor about the logo on the tin. And the first thing they say to Kristen and Brian is, be careful what info you release to him, as he's, he's a suspect. And yet in the next scene, they hand him the fingers. They hand him effort. I get he's the taxidermist, so but still, it makes me laugh that they're like, oh, just be careful what you let him know. And then suddenly he's holding evidence. He knows everything, yeah. Yeah. He suggests that the whole body is preserved because there's no preservative inside the fingers and the mayor also confirms that no one else does taxidermy in the town and then Kristen reflects on that and says that the mayor was shifty he was overreacting he was looking at me strange or wouldn't look me in the eye and then as they leave that event the mayor comes out he's really sort of suspicious yeah so it turns out the tuna can was from the 40s or 50s Oscar, DeBeck and Flint all used the logo in their business Lambert now wears it on his jacket town meeting then is next to discuss the old Kingfisher cannery and turning it into a hotel. Brilliant, and I, I've, I mean, I, I keep repeating it. This is this is something straight out of Twin Peaks. Hundred percent. The fact that Lambert's up there discussing how he wants to buy the old Kingfisher cannery off of, uh, off of lighter, lighter. Suddenly, a sweeper walks in and just pushes a videotape in. To oh a, well, it, yeah. At first, we don't even see that. At first, we just no, see no, Lambert come up on the uh, sorry, Debeck come up on the screen. You're like, what is going on here? And then later you find out that it was the, the sweepers. Oh man, that's but then, utterly amazing. So that the whole the whole Debeck speech is brilliant. But what makes the speech brilliant is Brian's impression of him when he's telling Alan. I think it's it's, it's spot on. Everyone just stops in awe. You must preserve this piece of land of yours. What we need is a private fishing museum. You once told me, Lida, that you like the small town nuance. Another thing I put here is um, how Brian says that Lida is going to end up end up with a toe tag. So this puts Lida in a weird, weird position, as she doesn't like Lambert or Debeck, so doesn't really know who to side with. Lida looks mortified and doesn't know what to do. She is the one who can make or break Lambert's decision. Brian suggests that if Lida ends up with a toe tag, he wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Brilliant. Just some clips. I think that was one of the quotes of the uh, 
one of the quotes. That and the spaghetti are the two sort of quotes that really yeah. sort of rang out for me. If she ends up with a toe tag, I wouldn't be too surprised. That's the end of the tracks, yeah? We're now back at HQ. There's a steamy jacuzzi scene. They choose the two hottest people, don't they? Yeah, she takes her time to get in that hot tub as well. <laughs> Doesn't she just, oh, the camera's still rolling. Oh, let me, oh, oh too hot. slow too motion. Hot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kristen and Stacey still or clearly have a lot of hate for one another. They keep showing footage of them going after each other. Jeff's being interviewed and he's like, for the group, I feel it would be better if Kristen did die. She gets annoying. Everyone, as soon as we hear her voice, we seem to turn it off. For the group, I feel it'd be better if Kristen did die. <laughs> Don't mix your words, mate. <laughs> and then and then it's the next day or it's the next sort of scene where they review the evidence. Yes. So they find the envelopes on the fisherman. On the fisherman statue. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Is that fisherman statue part of the time then? Real life, you reckon? Ah, uh, I reckon it is. You're not building that for a... Well, maybe. I don't know. It just looks... I'm not saying it looks out of place, but... But then, if you think about it, they've got the Kingfisher sardine cannery, so perhaps they've dressed it as, like, a fishing town and they've thought, oh, we'll have a fisherman statue to, to bring it together. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll have to look when we look, finish. Look that up and find out. I'm off, I'm, yeah, look it up when we finish and set up a look. So they go to review the evidence. You've got track one, which is pictures of... So steamy pictures of Mary Elizabeth and... Yeah. Um, Jimmy Tinker, including the description of what went on. They mentioned Frank kicking off. Turns out he was writing about Kingfisher close to bankruptcy, which Nate didn't like and took out subpoenas and threatened to sue. Frank just spoke way too much, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. He also told him that Bill Lambert was also crooked. Track two, there was the evidence in the car. They recovered a handbag with 14 $2 bills. Grady Main stamped on the bills, a city across the bay. Now that is next next week's episode 100% that is part of next week's episode track three Lambert thinking about using the old logo in his hotel and wearing it on his jacket as a promotional tool Brian and Kristen went out and found a yeah red and black envelope and then we go back into the game best thing I've ever seen where and this is on the first watch on the second watch I'm like I ah, picked it up from Dudley saying it but they say okay uh, what is the title change daily title change in sunrise and Jeff gets up to look out the window <laughs> Yeah. And then Gary... <laughs> and Gary's like, mate, you're not going to notice by looking out the window. You're not going to look out by looking out the window. And then from nowhere, Angel's like 23 feet. 20, 23 feet, we'll go with Angel. And I was convinced he had it wrong. Convinced first time. You could see that he wasn't confident, but something in his head was like, I've heard this number. Do you know what I mean? Because even he was like, I'm sorry, it's just in my head, and at 23 feet. And what I think, another one for my absolute MVP, generally, Alan, he says, we'll go with Angel, but we're going as a group. I think it's 23, but... Hey, but listen, we're going to go with 23 as a group. Nothing yeah. against Angel. Oh. This is a group, and we're taking 23. That sounds good. Yeah. But I thought that was brilliant how he said, right, we're all going as a group. Has anyone got any problems with that? Eliminated suspect then, because they got the killer question right, they eliminated Lighter Rose. Yeah, it's an easy it's an easy elimination for me, that was. Easy elimination. And they didn't show her face getting crossed out. They just had the really bad dubbing of a squeaky pen. Damn. Okay, guys. I think before we've seen that row of suspects and there is big thick lines through the, the X's now. So, they go back that evening to play the killer's game. We see a shot of even more sweepers outside. Did you see the sweepers just walking along casually? 
yeah. didn't really sort of mention it or anything like but that. But did you see the? I mean, we're going back a bit. When the when Prudence Connor drove um, Abby's wrecked car into the square, yes. there's a sweeper there. She runs one over. He's like, oh God, weird, isn't it? That like he's there. Need to be on sweeper watch, don't we? So when they go to vote, the group vote for Kristen. Always going to happen. The whole episode had itself. The producers have gone, yep, or the editors have gone, we clearly know who we need to put in all this footage and make her look like a bitch. Everyone hates Kristen. Kristen obviously hates Stacey. It's funny how um, how she's become a bad guy off her own back. All from like day one. Yeah, just from smack talking all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I put, I wonder whether or not Lindsay votes for Stacey because of the stakeout that she spent with her, or whether or not it's because Kristen had had a word. Who does Lindsay vote for? Lindsay voted for Stacey as well. She was the only one other than Kristen to vote for Stacey. Everyone else voted for Kristen. Well, maybe because she's been on with her for so long. <laughs> she spent the whole day with her, so undoubtedly probably got pissed off. Kristen's absolutely gutted. I was actually laughing my head off at this point. Thought it was brilliant. Alan, the lifeguard, votes for Lindsay. I feel really sorry for her. She hasn't done a lot wrong. She I, hasn't. I feel, I feel that was. I thought it was gonna. Happen have to be Stacey I thought it was going to be yeah. Stacey and I'd have been happy if it was I'd have been happy if it Lindsay, was I don't think Lindsay's done anything but she hasn't really put a foot wrong either Kristen's going to Sunrise Theatre Lindsay's going to the Hot House Kristen and Stacey still going on at one another they're both just being childish what does Stacey say Stacey said I'm going to like punch you in the face I am not insecure if you say it again you're not going to like what happens I'm telling you right now I'm going to bust her right in the face if she says it again obviously Kristen then starts the fake waterworks doesn't she she's like oh think about what, to me Alan? And to Alan yeah, yeah to Alan and Alan's really good again Alan's really good with it. She goes, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm not scared, I'm hurt. That's what she says to him. Yeah. And he, and he doesn't fall for it at all. He's, he's so calm. He's brilliant. We see a new cab driver today for when Kristen gets yeah. dropped at the theatre. Kristen is scared, but this ain't her first rodeo. It's a second. <laughs> Lindsay's obviously with the blue face, man. I put shit goes down. Lindsay is killed. Kristen returns with a clue. I bet the majority of them are gutted that Kristen comes back. I, I think we see Stacey not clapping. Yes. Yeah, we do. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't clap. A lot of them clap. Seven investigators remain, 12 suspects remain. Previously on other episodes, did we see the clue on that episode or not? Or was it always the start of the next episode? At the end of the sardine one. We saw what it was, didn't we? But this episode, it was like, oh, here's some sort of wedding dress or something. I don't know what it was. It leads us on to our, unless you've got any more to say on all that, it leads us on to our next sort of thoughts around who do you want to win? Who do you think the killer is? Who do you think will go out next? Who do you think the next lifeguard will be? I've got who I want to win, who I think is going to go, who I think is the lifeguard and who I think the murderer is. So who do you think will win? You want Alan still, don't you? I've put Alan and Angel. I'm really warm into Angel. I'm warm into Jeff. I was going to say, Jeff's my third. I think Angel's been quite consistent. Jeff's come in this episode quite well. Yeah. But Alan just... I want to see the fallout, see how... I don't know, because Lindsay's gone, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's more the fallout between Kristen and Stacey now because they were mouthing off at each other. Yeah, but then Alan, Alan's not going to get in that. I'm thinking... No one's got a vendetta against Alan, no. Alan's not going... I wouldn't have thought that Alan's going to be... Nominated or anything. Nominated, no. But then I guess it all depends on what the different challenges are. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Kristen and Stacey both be nominated again next, as in to go up I've, for... So I've said, I've said to go. So who do you want to win? Do you want, who do you want to win? Let's say win. I'm going to go with Alan still. So, yeah, I wouldn't be unhappy if any of them won, apart from... Kristen, because I hate her. But I think, yeah, Alan or... Who's the medical student? Is it Brian? Brian. Brian yeah, yeah, Brian. I think Brian's done really well as well. Last episode or two, Brian's coming as well, yeah. Yeah. In terms of who's going next, I would I love to Stacey. see... Yeah, I, I would love to see Stacey and Kristen. But actually, think about who Lindsay, because that, that all depends on who Lindsay puts up for lifeguard. And I've put... Who did you put? I think she's going to put Jeff up. She spent a lot so? of time with Jeff. A lot of she time did. with Jeff. Yeah. And I just feel that... 
It can't be Alan again, because I don't know if that's an unwritten rule or they've said that. But I assume you can't double double lifeguard. No, I'm, I'm not saying I don't know if I don't know if you, you can double lifeguard, but I mean like consecutively, consecutive days. You can't go you know. But I think I think Stacy will be the next lifeguard. Do you? So I think it's gonna be Jeff. Who do you think the murderer is? And I'm gonna say an obvious one, and I think oh we're just gonna keep getting them wrong, aren't we? And this is an obvious one because it's still early, but I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna say Sam, Sam Larrabee. Sam Larrabee, yeah. We've seen her in a lot of places. She was the one to discover the bodies. What's her job again? She's a diner owner. Mm, I think she's in with Nate's dad. She's pregnant as well, isn't she? It's where they said they said she was pregnant. And then and obviously because he said about, oh, it might be Frank's baby. Oh, uh, yes, you're right. You know what I mean? And she's argue, arguing with Frank about something. Does Frank know about something that's gone on? Does Frank got photo? You know what I mean? Yeah, does he? I don't know. Yeah, it could be as complex as that she's pregnant with Nate's, Nate's- dad. Or something like that, and that she, her son's gonna, oh, like her son's her, gonna um, get the money if, if Nate's dead, Nate's bumped know. off. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Mary Elizabeth is still a massive suspect, in my opinion. The fact that she's she driving loco, though, isn't she? she but is. is that? I think it's more obsessed with Abby rather than, you know, she wants to be like Abby, so that's why she's driving her car. That's why she's shagging her boyfriend. I think yeah. she just wants to be Abby rather than it being more. I mean, that's pretty sinister, but I don't think she'd kill. I can't wait to find out more about Frank and his boathouse because that's going to be interesting. Oh, I think that's good, mate. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Come and tell us what you think. We're at Presents Jam on Twitter. Join us again next time where we head to a $2 strip club, we watch footage of a burnt man and we shave an old lady's head.